in the 38 years since, the United States has won four World Cup titles and four Olympic gold medals, making it one of the most successful national teams for the Americans. Those premier teams get a lot of love, but the 85ers, as they're known, have not. It wanted to be the world governing body of the sport, and yet it didn't want to recognize women's football. This has been a long, long journey, a story with many, many chapters. And it goes back long before this last year, long before 1999. And so I think the only place to start is by recognizing the very first U.S. Women's National Team in 1985. Welcome to a new series of Flame Bears, special edition U.S. Women's Soccer original, celebrating the first U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am beyond excited to be co-hosting this season with FIFA Player of the Century, Michelle Akers. Hey, team! In this series, we'll hear from the infamous 85ers, they blazed a trail at a time when women's soccer wasn't an Olympic sport and the Women's World Cup didn't even exist. We get to celebrate these badass originals who I am so proud to call myself a teammate of. These icons you don't know yet, but we're changing that. They're players who came from all over the country, some on scholarships, others playing different college sports because women's soccer didn't even exist at the time setting the foundation for what is now the biggest event in women's soccer this summer. Their stories have never been told until now. Now let's kick it off to today's episode. I'm Kimberly Crabb. I was with the 1986 uh, women's national team, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share a little bit and um, thank you for having me. Quick timeout. So even though you're not an 85er, you were invited to the recent Asheville team reunion and considered a trailblazer for women's soccer in your own way. Can you tell us why your story is so relevant and how you fit in with this first team? Well, I think because I was the first African-American female to represent um, and roster on the women's national team, which is why I think I was even included with the 85ers, you know, with if you're going to be representing some of the first, I was one. So I think, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was going to be outcasted because I was the N80, N86er by all means, because we're all in a sisterhood. It's just a bond, I think, that will never be broken, no matter no matter what, what year I played or or anyone played, so. Yeah, plus, Krabby, you've been, like, so involved in soccer. You're a nonprofit, you're a coach, you're a speaker. I mean, you've been doing that for, since day one, right? Yeah. I think it's important to, to give back. You know, like, we were supposed to bring something to the table, and I was like, you know, I was sitting here, and I said to the director, can you print this picture, this national team picture where it was just, I was the I was the only African-American on the team. So I was gonna use that. But, you know, I said, I looked at this necklace that I wear every day. It's a part of my everyday attire. It's so exemplatory and perfect because it just shows 
you know, that I continue to give back to the sport in every aspect that I can, you know, giving back at a grassroots level. I could be coaching at probably some higher levels and platforms by all means, but I choose, it is a choice to give back to the the underrepresented youth in the community. And, and, it, and it's so perfect because I was just like these kids. I, I grew up in a household with, you know, a single parent. Soccer was my, my ticket out. You know, that was my way out. So this is my piece that I wear every single day. It is a part of my attire. Then I can dress it up. I can dress it down. And it's my soccer necklace. We'll be releasing bonus video content showing Crab's necklace on our website, flamebearers.com, and via our social media channels. How, how long has your nonprofit been going on? My nonprofit has been in existence for just two years, the outreach of Cape Fear, but I have been under the Wilmington Hammerheads, director of their outreach program here in Wilmington. But I began this back in Durham. It was a vision of mine, you know, organizing recess. So many kids get slipped through the cracks at recess. Teachers are just like, I want a break. And kids are just, you know, they're all around the fence. And, you know, some of them are doing nothing. Some of them being excluded. Some are being bullied. And so I started organizing recess. And so I started implementing that when I moved here to Wilmington into the schools. And then hence I started a city soccer league. It's free to any kid who wants to participate because it's important to give them an opportunity as well. And I have enough kids that we play against each other and I offer them seven weeks of free soccer and it's it's amazing. This is so cool. What is your nonprofit called and where can people find you? Outreach of Cape Fear, where we've got a Facebook page. You can Google me. We go way beyond the pitch is what I tell people. I mean, um, I'm invited to quinceañeras. I'm part of familias and it just goes way beyond soccer. Soccer is my tool to reach, you know, a lot of the youth in the community, but you know, it definitely gives them a, a choice. And like I tell people at the, at the max, yeah, I'm offering them a great sport, but at, at the way max, I'm saving lives through the sport. So. We'll provide links to Kim's nonprofit in the show notes so you can learn more. Kim, you mentioned soccer saving lives and you provided that this was your case. Tell us more. Well, again, I, I'm, a, I'm a perfect example. And it's not for everybody that's growing up in a single parent household. But, you know, you got a mom working three jobs. She can't afford to get you into a sport and then I was so blessed to excel and start playing at, at in different platforms and playing at different levels and getting exposure. I could have easily strayed left, you know what I mean? And went into a different lane and not had such a great outcome. Because Kim shared about her upbringing and how soccer changed her life, we wanted to sit down with someone who was there. My name is Casey Crab Jefferson, and Kim is my big sister. Casey, can you take us back to your childhood? Do you remember the role that sports played in your family, and more specifically, how Kim got into playing soccer? My sister led the way. Um, it's, it's my sister and my brother and I. 
And my mother really wanted my sister and I to be girly girls and do like gymnastics or cheer or something more dainty. Um, and my sister led the way with, you know, a five state champion sports winner in everything from field hockey to indoor outdoor track and field to basketball, um, soccer, like you name it, she did it. And so my mom will tell you she can't ride a bike um, she can barely walk and chew gum, but she is the best mother and pioneer ever in supporting myself and my brother and my sister. And so my, my sister led the way. I mean, she's what we're all about and soccer is all about and how I started and got into soccer. So that's how it all started, really with Kim and my mother's support of anything that we've ever wanted to do. Here's Kim's best friend on growing up playing soccer together. My name is Lori Curry. Kim is my best friend. We grew up in Reston together. She's from Reston, of course. Her roots are here. She knows everybody, related to everybody. But I um, have had that great opportunity. I mean, I'm so blessed. Uh, we've known each other over 40 years. You know, Reston's a small community and uh, soccer was a big thing. So we all played like, you know, just the regular house league. And of course, Kim's abilities and talents exceeded everyone else. So she was well known in the soccer, you know, area, just in the local, on the local level to begin with. Someone else who was not only there, but who helped Kim grow as a player was the man Kim says taught her everything, Coach Richard White. Now, a lot of people think reaching the national team is a pipe dream. So we asked Coach White how he and Kim worked on her game together. Obviously, she became one of the best, but I was curious if she was always that way or if there were parts of her game that, like everyone else, she needed to work on. Kim was so fast. And her skills were, she was unpredictable. She would miss an easy goal. And I remember one, one goal that she got and I don't know how she did it, but I remember it hitting the horizontal of the goal and going in. And, and to this day, I, I can't figure out just how she did it. But it, uh, that's, that, was, that was Kit uh, in those days. Later on, when she got to George Mason, she was more, uh, she, you know, she, she was predictable, not unpredictable. So there's hope for those who are young and really good in one area, but need to focus in on others. Back to Kim on the power of soccer changing lives. You know, as I'm here today, still giving back to the sport that did so much for me, that took me on my first plane trip to, to Ireland, you know what I mean? And, and took me to so many different countries around the world that I would not have been able to be exposed to. Like right now, I'm getting ready to take eight kids to soccer camp in Virginia. Some of these kids have never even been two blocks, three blocks that way. That's all they know. Their school is within their block, their church is within their block, their community center, their park, you know, that's all they know. Some of them have never been to the river or to the ocean. Some of the teachers say, that's crazy, I don't believe that. And I'm like, there's kids that have live here and they've never been and neither have their parents, you know, so. We've started exposing kids to different stuff like that. We take a 
take them down to the river and put them on a boat. You know what I mean? And and then stuff like that. So yeah. So you know when you start thinking about the maximum of of saving lives, it does. You know it offers opportunities that are so way better than than option B or C. You know what I mean? So yeah, Krabby. Congratulations on the U.S. Soccer Kim Crab Award. I am crashing this party to tell you that you have won the inaugural Kim Crab Game Changer oh, wow. U.S. Soccer. That is amazing. When I saw that, I was so excited for you, but for soccer. What a, what a huge platform that gives you and you're using it for, for all the things that you're passionate about, these kids. Talk about that experience, like how did that go down? It was, it was very, I said out of all of my soccer accolades, this probably was very pinnacle. I mean, how many people get to have an award named after them and to make it to the AGM, which is big time for soccer? you know, in the soccer world. I, I've heard about it through the years, but now I'm at the big time, you know, and and to go up on stage and have a teleprompter and have Megatrons with my face on it, you know what I mean? And to be able to present this to the first recipient, it was amazing. Someone who thought the award was beyond deserved and frankly, way overdue was her friend, Sam Adu, one of the leaders of the Black Coaches Network or Coaches Association. My name is Sam Odu, and I am part of the fabric of soccer, football development in the US. Sam, I know you bumped into Kim again recently, and you were way ahead of US soccer in terms of wanting Kim to be recognized. I had a privilege of running into her after many years about, I want to say two, three weeks ago, and I'm like, my God, where have you been? We just chit-chat and just talking. I'm like, how come they're not celebrating you? And it's like one of those things, she was kind of like dumb, dumb, dumbfounded with the whole situation. I'm like, no, the first black female player to play in the event, and nobody's talking about you and nobody's celebrating you. Something has to be done. We hugged, we embraced, we took pictures and everything else. And to me, she's what we're talking about. The period of time that she plays an African-American woman in this country is not the most easiest time. But she was desired because of what she could do. Not because she's an African-American, but because she what she brings to the table, to the soccer field. And to me, that's what I'm celebrating. Given that coaching kids has been and still is such a massive part of Kim's life, we sat down with someone who's experienced Kim's coaching firsthand. My name is Wilbur Martinez, and I know Coach Kim because she is the reason why I play soccer. She um, taught me when I was a young age. I'm pretty sure she has taught all my brothers how to play soccer. From, well, when I was like four years old, she was teaching my brother, my older brother, when he was also four years old. And now we just appreciate her a lot. What's your favorite memory with Coach Kim? She took me to Virginia because she gives us these opportunities to go with her to places. When we went to Virginia for a soccer camp, 
For people who don't know her, why should people know Coach Kim? Because she, um, in Wilmington, she helps out a lot of kids with no charge. Like about a good 500, a lot, like 600 kids that she's taught, probably over a thousand for free with no charge. And she does this for like, cause she wants to help kids get better. And one thing to call out, the kids she helped weren't necessarily kids she knew. Here's Lori again on how they'd be out for a drive and boom, it was, it was time for soccer. She's the person, she would always have like pop-up soccer goals and the jerseys and the balls. Like you could go into a underprivileged neighborhood. I remember the first time I'm like, what are we doing? And she just was with my neighborhood. Uh, the kids were just kind of, you know, didn't have a lot to do. They were just, you know, riding their bikes or standing around. And she was like, okay, let's go. She opens her trunk up. She pulls the goals out. And uh, here we go. She gets some involved in soccer. You know, so that was that experience. And you never knew when that was going to happen. You could just be driving and there she is setting up her, her goals and getting everybody involved in soccer. We also spoke with someone who's been coaching alongside of Kim for the last decade. My name is Sully Hammett. I live in Virginia, but uh, I've known Kim since Kim was actually going to George Mason. Um, she had to actually work every camp. Um, Premier Athletics, one of the clubs that I built. Premier Athletics um, host out in Charlottesville, um, Charlottesville, Virginia, for the past um, 10 years. Kim is the person within the coaching group that I have been involved in for the past 10 years. Is she's the one that will come with good, fresh ideas. When everybody is trying to go left to right, Kim would try to focus everybody in the right direction. I just think it's because of the fact that he has so much experience dealing with so much adversi ad adversity and seeing adversity firsthand and being able to be there for people. I don't think Kim ever said no to somebody. I, I, I just, I just, I, I'm waiting for that day when I hear she said, you cannot, or you cannot do that, or, or, or no, I cannot do it. I don't care if you have to wake her up in the morning, she will get up and she will go about doing things like she slept the whole night last night. That's, that's the type of person she is. She's just that extraordinary human being. And Kim's impact started at home. So we wanted to sit down with someone who has known Kim her entire life. My name is Jasmine Crab Harris. Kim is my mom and she has been the best mom actually that I could have ever asked for. Impossible question, but favorite memory with your mom that will give us a sense of who she is. When I was little, mom and I did everything together. My mom was a very, very independent single mother. We did a lot of traveling together. And when we were living in Chapel Hill, I think it was like 4th of July weekend maybe, and Chapel Hill might have been doing some kind of something outside. So we did a lot of walking. I remember being like, Mom, I'm so tired, so tired. Can you please put me on your back? Because my mom was literally my superhero. She never complained. She would do it for as long as she could. And then she would come up with some, you know, fun reason why I needed to walk, okay? So we had walked into Carborough 
um, which is really close and connected to Chapel Hill. And something, some, at some point in time, I guess I was thanking her for maybe, in my mind, this is how I remember it, I was thanking her for carrying me as far as she did, and I gave her a nice little slucheroo on the cheek. But she had also done some face paint for me and put a American flag, or maybe she put the stripes for the flag on my face, so the photographer caught it right at the right moment where I was smooching her on the cheek and she's looking off into the distance and we both have our Force of July paint on our face and it got featured on the front page of one of the Chapel Hill, I think it might have been called like the Chapel Hill Herald or something. So that was memory number one. It's my favorite. Are you still playing? <laughs> I just retired. Let me tell you, the Women's League and the Co-Ed League are calling me and tapping at my door. They don't care. They're like, you can come to play. Because I said, look, I got, my, my thing is, is I got one 60-yard run in me. And if y'all play that ace card, it's over. Now, defense, I can sit back in the hole. I'm a master. I said, I still got all my limbs. Knock on wood. I find me some wood to knock on. I've got my knees. I got a bad back. I'm pushing a couple of extra pandemic pounds. You know, but I'm a, I'm a teammate you want. I'm a, you want you on your team. Yeah. Speaking of, who's your favorite player on the team these days? Well, I'm just, I, I'm, and not to be biased, but I'm just a Crystal Dunn fan. Crystal Dunn, <laughs> I mean, this lady is so much like myself. You know, we played forward all of our lives and then we were shifted back to a defender, you know, and, and conquered that and just love for the sport and stuck in there no matter what adversities and what lied ahead and overcame that and just you know she's out there she's dancing she's you know she's had a kid she's still giving back to the sport and with with vengeance and I like I love that and I just that's that's my girl I mean there's a lot of beautiful players in the game but that's that's my player right there Here's Kim's George Mason and national team teammate, Lisa Gamitter-Pitaro, when we asked her to describe Kim. Vibrant, just uh, full of energy, motivating, you know, um, and just a heart of gold. You know, she cares so much about everyone and everything she does. She has so many friends and, and uh, you know, she just, she just puts a smile on her face, just talking to her or just, you know, being around her. You know, she's such a ball of, of energy. Sam, why is it important people know Kim's story? Let me tell you, her story is emotional. When you talk about where she's coming from and as of the time when she was playing, you don't see too many black girls. You go back and you look at all this movie today, today they're bringing out uh, what is this story now that Disney World is bringing up and they're using a black female to play the role of Cinderella. Kim represents Cinderella in football, in soccer, because she is this, she started it all when it wasn't fashionable for black girls to play the game. She put herself on the line and her family supported her to do it for the game. That part of it cannot be forgotten. When I look at all those movies and everything else, she's the Cinderella of our time. And she need to be put up there so everybody can see what it was, what it looked like back then. 
And today everybody's enjoying it, but nobody remember how we all started. That's what we're talking about. Casey, why should people know your big sis's story? Her story matters because she's she's an underdog. Her story matters because my mother raised us with great integrity um, in finding your sense of purpose and then passing that on to others as your purpose. Um, look at what she's doing today with underprivileged youth that are marginalized and forgotten about. And she's, here we go, trailblazer again in Wilmington, um, being the voice and advocate for those kids in a mentor and a consistent person in their lives every day. Um, that's what it's all about. And that's really what makes us who we are. And that's, that's my sister in a nutshell. Number one, you can't top being the first. You know, I really take that very seriously because it's amazing to look back now at all of the African-American females that are representing this sport at this at the highest of levels. And, um, you know, to know that I kind of, you know, led the path and was the pioneer and trailblazer for that is is amazing as well you know what i mean but i tried to make it to as many of these events that they that are offered through the national team of course you can't make everything but when i'm there i go i go up to the crystal duns and i and i go up to all of these girls and and they know who i am now you know what i mean there was a time that they didn't know who i am and there still are some that don't know who I am, but you know, here's Sophia's just winning the MVP for the NWSL and I'm on the field and her parents and she are crying and, and hugging me and thanking me. You know what I mean? There's not a trophy. There's not a dollar sign. You, you, you just, it's, it's surreal. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can't put it into words. We could sit here and talk talk for hours about my history and how things have been forgotten and how, you know, and, and I was bitter, you know, for a while. But again, I look at this that I, you know, and I get up every day and I, all the youth that I'm serving and none of that matters anymore. Yes, I want history to be correct for the day that I leave this earth and I've got grandkids and I've got youth that I've inspired through these years and I want that to be correct because history should be correct. But um, what I'm doing now way supersedes that, you know? And um, again, I'm just blessed to be able to do something that I love and not everybody can get up every day and say they love what they do. Like I love what, what you do, Michelle, with, all, with, with the horses and you do a form of outreach as well with the youth. And I mean, our youth are the future that is that's what it's all about and if we don't we don't leave a legacy or leave something for them then, then what's the point you know thanks for tuning in to flame bearers and massive thank you to my amazing co-host michelle Akers. if you'd like to send in a letter or video of appreciation and gratitude to kim please do so by reaching out to marissa p at flamebearers.com that's Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A-P as in Potter at flamebears.com. Thanks, and we'll catch you on our next episode. <laughs>